2: From MVB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Hope you're having a great Wednesday morning. This morning it's uh, already a little bit hot, but a little bit of a cool breeze out there where I am anyway in Jackson. But uh, stay careful out there. This is the program where you can call in with any type of healthcare issue that you might have questions about. Might be yourself or someone else. That's right, any kind of medication that you want to know side effects or a new treatment for something or maybe it's a new diagnosis or a symptom that you haven't quite gotten an answer to yet, Southern Remedy is the program where you can call in and ask those questions. We're really not uh, thematic based on uh, on Wednesdays on the southern remedy series we try to keep that open for any and all questions so don't feel like you have to match up what somebody is um what somebody's calling in before you so the number to call if you have any of those questions is one eight seven seven MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or if you'd like to email us, you can always reach us by email at remedy at mpbonline.org. We do try to respond to those individually, but we also like, if you give us permission, to share those with our larger audience. We always get really good questions by email that are usually uh, pertinent to what we think other people would want answers to. And if you aren't able to um, catch all of our program live, or maybe there's some uh, better times, more convenient times that you'd like to access it, we do encourage you to either go to our website and look at the archive problems, or an easier way to do it is probably to download uh, or use your favorite podcasting app and just search for Southern Remedy. Uh, You can tune into those programs and maybe uh, catch up on ones that you uh, just caught a brief uh, part of, but those are all available to you. We try to give you the healthcare answers that you need to make better choices about the health of yourself or someone else in your family. So call right now. We have open lines. Uh, the number is 1 MPB Ring. That's 1 672 7464. You know, in the last uh, probably three or four years, we've had lots of uh, different information about viruses, lots of confusing information about different kinds of viruses. And with the way that the world is structured right now with international travel and how easy it is uh, to uh, transfer um, uh, illnesses back and forth across populations, we have very, very dense populations all around the world, not just in other countries, but also here that make it really easy to transmit diseases back and forth. So knowing a little bit more about how that works and some of the, the non-human vectors, that's just something that transmits that from one person to the, to the other is important to understand that and try to decrease your risk of it. So new viruses do pop up from time to time, or they are older viruses that have either changed over time. That's pretty much what all viruses do. They adapt to different situations uh, and change the different uh, what we call virulence factors. That's just how easy it is for them to be transmitted and how bad they are as far as uh, potential side effects or how they um, affect the body. And um, one of the newer ones that you may have seen in the news is the Marburg virus, so M-A-R-B-U-R-G, and that's uh, located in Africa. It's a little bit similar to Ebola. So Ebola is a virus that can cause massive amounts of internal bleeding and uh, dehydration and... Uh, people can succumb to other infections with it. Uh, It's fairly easily transmitted person to person through bodily fluids, but it can also be transmitted by uh, eating uh, animals that have been infected with it, particularly uh, monkeys in that part of the world. So uh, a lot of people will refer to a broad category of food over there called bushmeat. So basically, it's eating what you find in the bush, and uh, basically uh, monkeys are are one of the species that can transmit that, but bats can do it too. We have lots of different species of bats, very beneficial uh, to uh, eating insects, but they can transmit a lot of diseases that other mammals and humans can contract. Uh, What's the risk here? Very low right now. Uh, there have been, in the past, some cases of Marburg virus that, again, because of travel uh, back and forth, that um, uh, some people outside of Africa have gotten that. I believe in Germany, there was one or two cases several years ago of um, of deaths. But right now, uh, it's pretty well contained, so not much to worry about. But that, So you may hear that, like, hey, what about that Marburg virus? Um, no uh, no reason to get all uh, upset about that or anxious about that. And speaking of anxiety, you know, there, there's always a fine line that I think about. And actually, I had a, a great conversation with one of my patients Tuesday uh, morning in clinic who has been doing everything to take precautions uh, to not get uh, COVID. And she is actually at a higher risk because of her age and her medical conditions um, of having complications. She's actually had several members in her family that uh, that unfortunately have died of COVID. Um, and, you know, just taking the precautions, sometimes we walk a fine line as medical professionals about saying, okay, here's all the precautions you should take. But that doesn't mean that you can stay or should stay isolated from other people. Uh, there are just as many... Uh, downsides to that as it is of getting out there and and having a higher risk of transmission. So um, you want to think about that and think about creative ways to visit with people and to uh, connect with people to make sure you're getting outside yourself and getting regular exercise and even just fresh air, um, you know, gardening and uh, getting out there in the environment. Um, and thankfully, in Mississippi, we have lots of opportunities to do that. Um, Even in our our major cities, uh, I would encourage you to do that because staying in your house all sort of boxed in and boarded up is not good for your mental health, and we've uh, definitely seen that in lots of patients over the last few years. You can actually take those precautions and do both and have a very rich life in doing that. So you sort of have to think about things, maybe a little bit more creatively to do that. Um, But just uh, uh, thinking about that as you uh, deal with uh, COVID and other things out there in sort of the new world and and not get anxious about those things that uh, aren't a big risk. Uh, Dr. Jimmy. Yes, Kevin. Uh, On the subject of viruses, I know another thing that's in the news is the monkeypox. And I'm wondering if... That's at all related to chickenpox, or is pox a more general term? Yeah, the pox viruses, um, so smallpox, chicken pox, um, uh, those are all sort of in the same category, and monkey pox is one of those. And uh, it does come from monkeys. You can get that with, uh, with uh, simians or primates, uh, too, that uh, it does cause some, some pretty bad symptoms that are sort of similar to those other pox viruses. You know, smallpox um, looked everything like chickenpox, except you get all those lesions all at once. I know we don't, thankfully, we don't have to deal with smallpox anymore, but um, you lost a lot of uh, fluids because your skin integrity is broken down. There's a risk of super infection with that, um, and it, it harmed a lot of people. Uh, chickenpox, again, we don't see a whole lot of that uh, because of vaccination rates, um, in this country, we can still see uh, the chickenpox virus that uh, lays dormant in the dorsal nerve root ganglia. That's just the, the nucleus of the, of the nerves that go out to our bodies. They can hide out in there, sort of um, hide from the immune system. And if your immune system gets um, weakened by anything, either age or other, um, or other things that you might be going through, that can come back as shingles, actually, and we do have a vaccine for shingles. So, yeah, just something to think about. And monkeypox. We do have some alerts that the the State Department of Health has put out just to make everybody aware. And again, in today's world, it doesn't really matter if something is endemic or or native to a different country or different even tropical area or subtropical area because of the way that that we travel and how we have such easy access to get places. That's going to increase your risk of having a lot of those. So you really want to keep that in mind. But monkeypox right now, there have been some concerns, and we have had some cases in the United States, but it's not a, a big concern right now. Great question. Kevin Farrell, our producer, always ready with a uh, question that is pertinent to today's healthcare news. The number to call if you have a question right now about anything, that had have to be about monkeypox, is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 672 We're going to go to our first caller right now. This is Larry from West Virginia. Good morning, Larry. West Virginia. Yes, West Virginia. Did I say some, another directional Virginia?
3: I just heard Virginia.
2: Oh, okay. Um, <laughs>
3: might be my phone. Uh, my question is about um, uh, my wife has had uh, problems uh, with her nose running and having the sniffles in it. It appears to be after she eats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's mostly in a restaurant now. Of course, we've had her to specialists and we've run tests and everything, and they could never find anything of uh, any value of what was causing it. And uh, she's 71 now, and she's had that for years. And um, one of the doctors said, oh, it's an a overactive uh, salivary glands or something. And um, it's just uh, really annoying. I mean, she, she gets the uh, sniffles, and then she sneezes. Uh, it seems to be, and it doesn't matter what she eats, um, but she's always had this for years. And I just wondered if you've ever run across this.
2: Yeah. So, Larry, there, there are a couple of – now, the fancy term that we use for this is as is, is a big category would be rhinitis. And that just means that you've got an inflammation uh, in your nose. Um, uh, and there can be different causes of that. Some of the most common ones, particularly here in the South, is allergic – Uh, rhinitis and usually that's when you come into contact with pollen or you come into contact with even like smells perfumes those kinds of things you can have profuse watery discharge in the nose but there are other causes Mm. and this one sounds more like vasomotor rhinitis uh, which is a really hard one to treat and it can be triggered by a food or multiple different foods and the, the You know, it's really a close pathway with those nerves that stimulate the production of uh, saliva in your mouth when you first start to chew food or even when you smell food. You know, you can smell foods and you start salivating. Um, yeah. That's that's sort of a trained behavior. But the same thing uh, can happen. Yeah, help. Hold,
3: hold on a minute. Sure, go ahead. Um, I'll text her, let him know you're coming. You back, Larry? Hold on.
2: Okay. Yeah, Larry, while you're while you're waiting. Okay. I, yeah. I so, so um so vasomotor rhinitis, it sounds like this might be one of, you know, that cause. There are a couple of medications that are nasal sprays that might help a little bit, but in my experience and just looking at the literature, it's not that helpful. So uh, you know, if she had, and you said several specialists. Usually, the specialists that people go to are either an e- ear, nose, and throat doctor, an otolaryngologist, or an allergist. And um, both of those know about this diagnosis. It's a, it's common enough that that's not going to escape them. But a lot of times, we'll get stuck on treating it as an allergic response. But this is different. This is not a, a true allergic response. This is a vasomotor. In other words, you're doing something to the nerves to stimulate them uh, in different ways. There has been some research on retraining those pathways, um, and a lot of this uh, stems out of COVID research, too, to tr- sort of retrain people how to smell and how to recognize smells after losing that during COVID. But um, it, it is very hard to treat. And, uh, you know, if she hasn't seen an ENT <clears throat> excuse me, or an allergist, uh, those are the two that I would – uh, and I would call beforehand and and make sure that you have that that correct diagnosis. There's a couple of other causes too. Um, you know, there has been some limited research about actually, um, you know, uh, clipping those nerves or clipping some of the nerves that that are uh, responsible for doing that. But you're going to run into all kinds of problems with side effects if you do that. Um, sure. But I don't know if she's tried something like a uh, anticholinergic spray. Uh, there's some atropine uh, yeah, type given
3: sprays. Her spray she she went to an uh, ENT yeah and um, had several tests done um, to see what was going on but they couldn't really they didn't really give us a diagnosis
2: yeah um, i i tell you what larry i i would uh, and this has nothing to do against the ENT's i'd have they're, they're great at what they do but you might want a second opinion with an allergist Um, because they may be able to to look at it a little bit differently. And if it is vasomotor, there may be something else that they can possibly do. I don't know that she'd get total, you know, it just sort of depends on that diagnosis. And you really want to get that diagnosis right.
3: Yeah. Now, the the allergist, is that their uh, title?
2: Yeah. So if you look for allergy or immunology, those are going to be the ones. But it's usually like an allergist. And... When you call to make that appointment, you want to make sure that you ask them, you know, well, all of them are going to really, really be trained in this. So I I would feel comfortable going to them. But yeah, an allergist is what you would look for. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical questions answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy.
4: Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's tip of the week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media
1: app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
2: This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your questions about any kind of health care topic that you might have had one already and plenty of time for you to call in right now that's right you can dial 1877 MPB ring that's 18776727464 let's go to Larry oh sorry Jerry from Tupelo good morning Jerry
5: or Terry some people call me Larry, some people call me Jerry. It just, just depends what kind of shape
2: I'm in. That's right. What was that old uh, Newhart uh, skit with the three brothers And said, my this is my brother Larry. Larry and this is my brother other brother Larry? Larry. Right. Uh, right. Well, we uh, will call you Jerry. You Sorry that. about that.
5: <laughs> no, don't call me Jerry. Call me Terry. Terry with a T.
2: Oh, okay. We got it wrong on our screen. <laughs> my bad. We're going to just totally massacre right. names I mean, this morning.
5: If I'm... If I'm being a bad boy, I like to be known as Jerry.
2: <laughs> Terry. Okay. What's hey, your question? I got a
5: couple of things. Sure. Uh, I went ahead and, and and bit the bullet after many injections and physical therapy in the All Nine Yards, and had my C five, C six, and C seven removed.
2: Now, when you say removed, you mean the disc, right? And, and right, and then probably they fixed fixed those, they uh, stabilized those, right?
5: Yeah, they stabilized, right? Them, whether it be with, I don't know if they did cadaver bone or whatever. But yeah. Anyway, and then they put a plate back there. Everything is going super. I mean, it's just amazing how my arm. There's no more pain in my arm. <clears throat> you know, pressing on the nerves. Uh, the throat's fine, but boy, I have some. Um, Pretty freaking severe shoulder pain. It's like those trapezoid muscles mm-hmm. up in the top.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Wow. I, I mean, I'm talking like I carried 50 tons of weight for a week, and it just—it's like such a ton, It's such a pain, and and there's actually a knot in in my left trapezoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. But is that normal to have that kind of shoulder pain? Yeah. You know, when you have that kind of surgery.
2: Yeah, and the Did and you're
5: your, away doctor.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, I think it's gonna get better, but I think it's gonna it may take a little bit of work. So basically you're changing the physiology of how that, that system works. So your trapezoids, uh your trapezius, uh it's the upper muscles on the back part of the neck and they help to uh, move your shoulders but they also um, attach to those those bones in your neck so anytime you do something different to the anatomy they're going to have to adjust to it so that's probably what has happened and it may take some time to, to work that out and there's different ways you can approach it I love to go to physical therapy first I bet that that's sort of the first step that they're going to suggest but there are other things beyond that if you've already done that or if you know if, if, if that doesn't work there are things like um, muscle uh, injections at those points, and you can either use different substances with that. Sometimes dry needling helps to loosen those muscles up. It sounds horrendous, sticking needles in the muscle, but uh, trust me, it does work very well. And
5: they done that, so I know that. Too.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then there's there's you know our pain management uh, folks are really good about this too. Um, they can use, you know, physical therapists can use different modalities. It's not just working those muscles appropriately or stabilizing the other muscles in the upper back and shoulders uh, to help out sort of sort of uh, change that load. The other thing is it it may have changed. It probably has changed the way your head, you know, our heads weigh a good bit of weight. There's a good bit of weight there. And if it's I got a big head too. <laughs> no comment. So um, so if your if if your neck is moved forward or back or it's a different angle, then the muscles have to take on that work to try to stabilize the head. So a lot of that, you know, can change over time and you can sort of see this is a complex system that the body uses to do that. Even if you hadn't had surgery, people can sometimes do that just from different postural changes or things that they do at work. Um. Yeah. But I. Yeah. I think. Uh. You know. The conservative way, or even like taking a multiple modalities. They may even prescribe a mild mu- muscle relaxer. There are things that can help relax those muscles. Yeah, I don't.
5: I don't do well. I don't do well on muscle relaxers.
2: Yeah, and that you don't have to. I mean, there's other things. There's other ways that they can approach it. But.
5: But I do like the physical therapy aspect and the uh, dry needle part yeah. of it. Uh,
2: yeah. So, yeah. Those. You know, I, those would be the things that I would go to first. Honest. I can say. So I can say, "Hey, I talked to Dr. Jimmy, and he said I need to uh, <laughs> go ahead." There you go. <laughs> All, right. All right, Terry, thank you for calling. We appreciate it. All right, this is Southern Remedy. Uh, the number to call is one eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to go to James from Ocean Springs. Good morning, James. Good morning. What's your uh, question this morning? Uh,
4: well, I have got. Uh, it seems like a trivial problem, but it's my back.
2: has mm-hmm. been
4: itching now for over a year. I've been to the dermatologist and gotten creams prescribed. My doctor recently prescribed uh, Zyrtec as a possible antihistamine to fix the problem. Nothing seems to work. It's just, anno- it's not debilitating, but it's annoying uh, because it seems like it's always itching. whole so my my whole back from uh, my shoulder blades down to my waist and then around on the sides. And okay. I Haven't gotten any relief so far.
2: Is let me ask you a couple of questions, uh, James, mm-hmm. to help understand a little bit better. So, does it is it get worse? Like if you're in the shower afterwards?
4: No, uh, it does. You know, it's better when I, I take a shower and I use cream
2: uh-huh.
4: on, after a shower, and it does feel good uh, when I put on the cream. But it doesn't last. It doesn't right. solve the problem. So,
2: what about if you're outside and you're sweating a lot? Does it get worse then? Uh, no, not specifically. Okay. No. Okay. So a couple of things that this may be. So if it's particular to your back, there are some, you know, generally we itch for different reasons, and we call that pruritus, and there's, there is, um, it can be just from some local irritation. Sometimes you can have uh, fungal infections, and we have a lot of those in the south just because of the higher humidity, particularly in the summer months. And uh, there's some fungus that you, it's really hard to tell. It's really hard to see. Without doing some some you know just superficial scrapings of skin or or taking a piece of skin and looking at it and testing it for different things, that may Mm -hmm. be a next step for them to consider that in treating you with an antifungal agent to see if that would help because the steroid creams do help to cut down on it because it's basically like firing a cannon. At, at, um, at an inflammatory process when you give steroids any route. So what they're doing is they're just sort of cutting off that inflammatory response, which includes the symptoms of itching, but it doesn't really get at the, at the central problem of it. It doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. And sometimes that problem goes away. It's easy to give somebody a topical steroid or you can take one over-the-counter, but if it's going on longer than that, you might need to go back to the dermatologist and say, "Hey, can y'all consider some? Maybe it's a skin infection. Maybe it's something else going on." And then the other thing to think okay. about is sometimes other problems systemically in our bodies can cause um, can cause those inflammatory responses and itching. So sometimes there are, um, you know, I'll always think about this from okay, what all the what are all the things that could cause itching. Sometimes liver abnormalities, particularly a substance called bilirubin that's elevated, can do that. Sometimes there are certain uh, white blood cell and red blood cell um, uh, disorders that can do that. So a simple lab test to look for those kinds of things is probably in order if it's going on longer than, say, yeah. a couple of weeks. Um,
4: yeah, and, it's been over a year.
2: Yeah, yeah. If it's been that long, I'd probably get them to look at it a little bit differently and in a little bit more in depth way. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are some of the other things that I would think about. Certainly, steroids help, but um, not knowing the answer to the why question is, is right. that needs to be at least uh, you know investigate a little bit further.
4: Okay, I'm not taking a prescription. I'm taking just over the counter.
2: Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, and that's fine. I mean, those work just fine. But there are stronger steroids by prescription, and the ointments work a little bit better. But again, I I think I would try to answer that. You know, central question I want
4: know about. I'm the root cause. So I would
2: exactly, exactly.
4: So, so I'd ask the dermatologist to do a uh, kind of a scraping.
2: Yeah, thing. ask them about that, and there may be certain areas that uh, it's the most that they may contest for some of those things, like a um, like a fungal infection, and then ask them if there's any labs that they could they could draw to.
4: Okay, and and that's. Look like at the back. Is that any? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, in and our backs—they do. There's a lot of sweat glands back there, and it sweats a lot. And some of the fungal infections, they like to be on the on the back, like that, just because okay. it's more moisture.
4: Okay. Okay. Thank you, for your advice. I'll talk to my dermatologist next
2: time I see her. All right. Thank you for calling, James. We appreciate it. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical questions answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, answering all kinds of good questions this morning coming from you. As usual, that's what what makes this program so good is because you bring those questions to the table. It's like walking into a doctor's office except on the radio. And we try to give you the best information to answer those questions or at least point you in the right direction to a medical professional that can do that. The number to call this morning with those questions is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can always email us. The email uh, address is remedy at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Sean from Olive Branch. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. How are you doing? Good.
0: Okay. I have, problem sometimes i just notice this when i wake up in the morning uh-huh. i have a bruise on my arm you know what's causing it
2: same place every time yes yeah it's and does it tend to go away with time normally like four to five days it starts to yeah. fade okay yeah. um what location on your arm
0: uh it's my upper arm uh-huh. uh like below my shoulder below my shoulder like in the middle
2: okay, like the like the outer
0: sort arm of the outer. Um,
2: gotcha, okay, um several different things if it's the same place like that every time, well, go ahead
0: Well, it, it's kinda of, it may move around but it's in pla- it's in that area gotcha,
2: okay, and is it is it sore also when you touch it right there
0: nope. no it's not sore
2: okay there may be um so as as we get older, this can happen too, so there there are some uh different places in our body that have a higher um, concentration of capillaries. So those capillaries are those really small blood vessels that help to uh, supply blood to different areas and um, in some instances uh, particularly if you have repeated trauma even minor trauma you can get a bruise. So a bruise, all a bruise means is you've had some bleeding underneath the skin so right. it, it doesn't have to be like a cut or anything you know that's 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 really deep from the outside of the skin but that there's probably some blood vessels in that area they're a little bit more fragile and for whatever reason they're getting you know traumatized a little bit it may be something that happens in your sleep um and you know that's why i was asked trying to to tease out you know sort of where it is upper arm is mainly you know so running into some things or if uh sometimes even you know with um uh, if somebody's like, um, you know, tut, you know, grabbing you or something like that from time yeah. to time, sometimes kids will do that. I'll see that to the parents. They'll be like, I have this bruise on my arm, and I'll ask, you know, I'll see them in the in the um, examining room, and they'll be like, Well, this is this is what's happening. My the, my kid is uh, grabbing my arm a good bit, um, but whatever the reason, that's what sort of is occurring. Now, if you had them other places, no. th- then I'd be a little bit more concerned about. Okay, is this a platelet disorder? Is this a coagula- coagulation factor disorder? But really, you know, upper body—that's probably something that you're repetitively um, just you know uh, having some minor trauma to that area just to cause a little bit of blue- a bruising underneath the skin. But I don't think it's necessarily anything to, to uh, um, check out unless unless it becomes a lot more painful or you notice a lump or a bump underneath there um right. that is um enlarging then you may want to have somebody just check it out and that wouldn't be such a bad idea either just to say hey can you okay. take a look at this area but i bet it's just some local minor trauma that's just sort of escaping you and i'll just, from time to time i'll do this i'll run into something or i'll you know i'm busy doing something and i'll injure myself and i don't even know it um yeah. and but that's probably what's going on
0: okay Oh, uh, would you? T- I have an itchy back, too, so I'm going to uh, take your advice. My mm-hmm. back is it's so bad, I have to keep a fork in my, in my purse.
2: Oh, yeah, just and, to scratch it, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and the doctor, he, he gave me a, a, a cream, but it works. But if I stop using it, start itching again. So I don't i to take your
2: fun- advice. Those fungal infections I talked about are very common, and there are some other types of cream, things like ketoconazole um, or even oral medication sometimes that you can uh take. Um there's one that we use in kids a lot called griseofulvin. that if you take it and then exercise it actually comes out in the sweat glands and helps to treat that. But it's very common. There's all kinds of different funguses that can uh they love to hang out on our skin, particularly in hot summer months where there's a lot more uh sweating that goes on. So that that may be something too that you may want to just uh have them look at. I didn't mention this to our earlier caller, but sometimes uh, UV light is used, like those UV lamps that you can see different things uh, with, yeah. and they'll use that in the exam room. And sometimes there are certain types of funguses that fluoresce, so they change color so they'll be brighter when you use the UV lamp. So um, all kinds of different ways to do that. The scrapings are probably the best way because they'll just gently scrape off some skin, and if it has you know significant amounts of the fungus on there, they can grow that and identify which type and know exactly how to treat it
0: okay well thank
2: you so much sure thanks for calling we appreciate your call and uh certainly common things that are out there but yeah bruising is always a big deal everybody the you know parents will uh, be mortified uh when they bring their toddlers in for their well child visits and i always know the toddlers that have the uh, more active lifestyles because they have bruises all over them on their but it's usually in patterns you know if it's Um, uh, lower legs and arms, those are certainly things that we use uh, on a daily basis and sort of swing around and move around and bump into things. Um, But if you, you know, larger bruising that doesn't go away or multiple bruises without any known trauma to it, those need to be investigated. But if it's the same area over and over and over, it takes a little bit of thinking and detective work just to figure out, okay, what caused that bruise? Maybe I'm just bumping into something or maybe it's something in my bed. Uh, You can have bruising. Uh, I mentioned, um, you know, minor trauma, but uh, insect bites, Um, if they hit uh, blood vessels just right, sometimes there can be uh, bruising underneath the surface or even from inflammation and different things. So that's another cause for bruising. And, um, you know, thinking of the normal progression of bruises, so um, they'll be they'll change with time and they'll change with gravity so uh, you typically see this most profoundly on the head because we have a lot of blood vessels on our face and our head somebody can get hit in the forehead they can have a fall and it may have a bit of bruise on their forehead but then two days later it's down and now they have a black eye and they're like i didn't even hit my eye i don't understand why i'm bruising there well it's because of all that blood in the subcutaneous tissues that's outside of those blood vessels now travels down with gravity and it'll settle down in different areas whichever way is down so they'll travel down to those areas and all of a sudden you've got a black eye or you've got a bruise in another place typically it'll follow the normal progression of sort of the color changes that they have so you can go from bright red to brown then to a dull uh, greenish uh, uh, yellow color and typically after about a week you're going to see that fade but uh, it depends on the amount of blood in the tissues. It depends on the circulation of the tissues and how well those tissues will get rid of the blood. Uh, but it can change direction, too. uh Lower extremities, same kind of thing. Some people will bleed in certain areas, and that, that blood will settle down. Uh, and they'll, you know, you may be even more freaked out because as it changes, it looks worse. Um, so, you know, two, three days later, that's usually sort of the peak of when you're like, oh, my gosh, that looks terrible on my eye or my face. Um, but that's that's why. It's just some blood that's in those subcutaneous tissues. A lot of blood in the area, let's say you get hit with a baseball, for instance, uh, to the leg, or um, a, um, a hard object hits you and you have a big bruise. Over time, sometimes you can get a ridge around the outside of that, and that's just because blood has calcium in it, and calcium comes out of solution over time and can form these calcified tissues um, and it'll, it'll form a little ring actually around that, but that's, uh, you know, with a, li- a lot more trauma and a lot more blood in there. Jumping in again, Dr. Jimmy, um, so is there anything when you get bruised that you can do to make the bruise go away faster or do you pretty much have to just ride it out? Yeah, you can, you can decrease the amount of inflammation that you have up front, you know the old. Uh, adage of uh, you see people you know putting the raw steak on there really the steak doesn't have anything in it that in and of itself that's really causing that inflammation to go down or going to improve it but the coldness of the steak is so uh, certainly you wouldn't want a warm or a hot steak and uh, who would want to waste a steak like that. But um, yeah, cold packs, cold works really well on in acute infection like that. So if you, when you first start to see that, you can certainly do that. Anything you put on the skin for a bruise, like creams or anything, that, that's really not going to do anything. Bruises uh, themselves, as those tissues heal, it releases and stimulates a lot of mast cells and a a lot of histamine responses sometimes. So they can itch. You know, my grandmother used to say, that's when you know if it's getting better, if it starts to itch. Um, And there's some truth to that. But basically, those are just all the substances, the cytokines that are being released and the different substances that can cause that uh, same itching. Uh, Feeling So, yeah, but as far as like anything to do, cold works pretty well. There's not anything really to take. Some people would take, you know, if you take aspirin or if you take an NSAID like ibuprofen or uh, Advil, that's not really going to do much. It actually may make it worse a little bit, particularly the aspirin for it because of increased bleeding to the area. So just want to keep that in mind. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical questions answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy.
5: This is an MPB Think Radio
1: podcast.
2: This is Southern Remedy. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, answering your questions about any kind of health care issue that you might be... Uh, dealing with right now, the number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. A couple of issues uh, out there, just to be aware of. You know, we've had lots of changes in healthcare delivery and healthcare access. Uh, not all of them good, Um, lots of challenges over the last few years. One of the things that's on the radar nationally is uh, drug overdose deaths. And unfortunately, we've seen a rise in the last year, um, not just here in America, but other countries as well. And and some groups have um, greater uh, death rates than others, particularly uh, black men who are older are, have nearly a seven times higher rate as those older white men uh, starting in 2020 of having an overdose from a medication. And then also um, younger American Indian and Alaska Native women um, are more likely to have a drug overdose. So what do we do about that? And when we think about that, we normally think about those medications groups that have the highest risk, so things like opi- opioid narcotics, uh, benzodiazepines, or other substances that alter our conscious, uh, awake, and sleep cycles. Uh, all of those can have the potential to uh, not only to, for abuse um, or overuse, but they can also be at risk for, um, for an overdose Other medical conditions that go along sometimes with these, uh, with the use, we know is at a higher risk. So depression, anxiety, other psychiatric disorders, or if you're dealing with those, you certainly are at a higher risk. So what can we do about that? Well, knowing the risk is probably the biggest thing. So knowing what the risk benefits are for those and looking for other alternatives, trying to get people off of those high-risk medications as much as we can. But also... Uh, It's, um, you know, making sure that you understand how to take those. Now, um, you can have a drug overdose from uh, lots of different things. So uh, however the physician or or nurse practitioner that's prescribing it, however they prescribe it, just use those uh, same instructions. Don't try to veer away from those. There are great medications out there that if you take them the wrong way or if you take them in excess amounts, they can do um, pretty dramatic damage and sometimes cause, unfortunately, deaths in individuals. So that's one thing. If you don't understand what the instructions are for taking something, please ask, call back. Uh, to the physician's office ask your pharmacist where you get your medication from they can be a great uh, resource for you to understand exactly what's going on and think about when you take other medications with those medications that are prescribed even if they're over-the-counter medications make sure you you know if there's any potential side effect and again I would call my physician or um, your pharmacist to try to understand those potential interactions with things Um, because uh, particularly when you start to talk about you know multiple medications that's something I try to look at in my patients to try to decrease the amount of medications that they're taking to make sure that we're not having any potential side effects. And one good example of that right now, um, Paxlovid is, uh, you know, one of the better uh, treatments to uh, avoid some of the risk from COVID uh, once you are in higher risk individuals. But there's lots of interactions with that. There's uh, certain categories uh, like uh, renal insufficiency if you have um, if you have that, you have to make some dose adjustments or, or even contraindications uh, for taking it. There's other interactions like statin drugs. You pretty much have to stop those while somebody's taking those. So there's other things that come into play that you have to uh, make sure that you you understand all the uh, the interactions there. But uh, just thought I'd bring that to, to light, you know, just because a physician prescribes something, uh, doesn't mean it's safe to take all the time, uh, and you should you should be aware of those instances where you have to either stop it or decrease the dose, uh, or make sure that you're not um, taking anything uh, in a different way that they prescribed it. And certainly, no, you know, don't take somebody else's medications if they're prescribed for somebody else. Um, that's just not a good idea. Um, it's it can run all kinds of risk. Uh, with dosing differences and with different medications and interactions. So that's something to be aware of. This is Southern Remedy. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, uh, giving you some uh, health advice, but also taking your questions. Got time for probably squeeze in one more call. If you're itching to, itching has been a theme today, if you're itching to call right now about a healthcare issue, the number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 We always get uh, questions about viral infections. We start off the hour just talking about those a little bit, and there's still a lot of misconception about whether you can treat a virus with. Now, there are therapies for treating viruses. Uh, We mentioned uh, some of the viruses are common. Uh, One that's common are uh, cold sores or herpes uh, viruses, and they do respond well to antiviral medications. So valacyclovir, acyclovir, those are medications that target those types of viruses However, antibiotics, as a general term, those are usually medications that help to treat bacteria and are ineffectual against viruses. So just because, uh, you know, if you have a viral infection and you're not really uh, sure what you can take or you're asking uh, for an antibiotic, that's not going to be a good idea if it's a virus just because it's not effective. All right, we're going to go to um, Lisa from Gulfport. Good morning, Lisa.
1: Uh, Yes. Hi, I'm, I'm having some problems with my shoulder Uh all the way down to my, to my wrist. Okay. And I'm just trying to figure out which, which doctor I should call. Um, I have rheumatoid arthritis in my wrist and I have, I know a torn rotor cup. Okay. But my wrist, my elbow and my shoulder have all been hurting me lately. Okay. And I don't know if it's with my tendons. Or if it's bone related with, you know, like osteoarthritis or right. something else. So, but if I turn, like if I use my, I'm wearing my wrist brace mm-hmm. because it's kind of helping alleviate some of the pain. Because if I turn my, my wrist sideways, you know, if that hurts all the, in my elbow and my wrist and all the way up, it seems like.
2: Yeah, Several different things. That can be a a complicated thing to sort of tease out. There's multiple things that could be going on to cause that pain. Sometimes it's in the joint itself, like you mentioned, wrist pain. And if you do have osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, that certainly can affect the wrist joint. But then you can also have referred pain, and that can go up the arm as well go down the arm. If you're having rotator cuff strain or a tear or arthritis in that shoulder, which if you have rheumatoid arthritis, again, you can have some primary changes to that joint. It could be from that or it could be from your neck. Um, And that's either from pressing on a nerve that goes all the way down the arm. You can have pain pain. Uh, just from the the compression of that nerve or, you know, some arthritis changes that are pressing on it. So here's what I would suggest. You need to go to somebody that's going to give you a very thorough exam, put you through some motions to see if they can reproduce some of those pains and probably get some imaging. Um, And I would, in this case, probably do the whole arm, Um, you know, at least the joints that are causing the most problems, including the neck. And that's going to put you in the right place to to get to that diagnosis um, correctly. But uh, that's so how how I would approach it. And if you have a good orthopedic surgeon or a rheumatologist that can do that, those will probably be two or a primary care physician that um, has some experience with that. So, Lisa, that's the direction I would uh, put you in um, to uh, to follow up on that. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast mpb depends on support from listeners so if you can
5: please contribute today at mpbonline.org hi i'm Ryder taff
0: portfolio manager at new perspectives a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of money talks each week we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful money talks can be heard tuesdays at 9 a.m on mpb think radio Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting platform.